And this morning we have Fred and Vanessa and Joel and Daniel. Uh, Joel and Ezzy. Daniel is at home. Sorry, Ezzy. <laughs> Daniel's the eldest son. He is at home in Paris helping with the, leading the meeting there. He was also um, with uh, part of the group that were in Chicago where Ella went for the internship at a partnering church in Chicago. And there's, remember a number of months ago I preached about the interconnectedness of how we are work together um, translocally. Well, Fred and Vanessa are on or part of the uh, translocal ap- ministry apostolic team that we um, partner with, but we also serve on, which is New Covenant Ministries International. And they come here this morning at our invitation, and with um, uh, uh, and I've said to them, come and ha- do and lead and preach and minister as you feel the Holy Spirit leads. We we are great friends of theirs. They well, they're friends of ours. I assume we're friends of theirs, but um, they are. Don't worry, just joking. Um, they've been staying with us. We've known them for many, many years, and they've planted an incredible church in Paris. Some of you have been there, um, and they head up a lot of the work into France. But um, they come as uh, not as guest speakers. They come as people that we recognize an incredible ministry gifting of God through them, but as partners in the gospel that we co-labor with, that we um, have the privilege of ministering across the, the, the world with. And so this morning, we open our hearts to what God has through you for us as a church community, that God would impart something that would go beyond our borders. Now, I know it's their first time they've preached here in the flesh. During um, COVID, they did do a video for us, and so some of you would have heard them minister before. But today is the first time on a Sunday morning, and it's a wonderful privilege to have you with us. So I'm going to hand over to Fred, uh, and you can introduce Vanessa and the boys more if you'd like. But uh, won't you just welcome them? Uh, I know we don't applaud because we applaud Jesus, but, but applaud them. Just as friends. Wonderful. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I'll just let Vanessa bring a greeting and then we'll, I'll start again. <laughs> we are just loving being here. We feel like we're at home, away from home. Um, and James and Lisa had an incredible impact on us the first years of planting in Paris. Things did not happen quickly for us. It was a real slow, slow beginning. And they came and they blew wind in our cells. They encouraged us. They came with their gifts, their numerous gifts. And they, they really were so relatable for our Parisian people. So we want to thank you guys, and we want to thank you as a church for what you have sown into the nations. And um, you, you are part, you can enjoy part of what we're seeing in Paris now because you've sowed into that. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, before we came, I was praying and asking God for a word for you guys, and I, I just had the sense of God bringing a fresh new wave of creativity, of life, of new beginnings, of newness, of and sowing seeds of hope again amongst you. And um, I just feel like God saying, Christ Church, lift up your heads. See the King of glory. See him in all his beauty like Rachel was encouraging us to do. He's calling us to trust him again. 
to step out and trust him again. And it's, I feel like he's saying to us, or saying to you, come with whatever you have, whether it be two loaves and five fish or however it was, whether it just be a little bit of oil in a jar, no matter how insignificant it might feel to you, put it to work. Come with whatever you have. Give thanks for what you have, no matter how insignificant it feels. Thank him for it. And as you do that and put it in his hands, he's bringing multiplication. And that's another word that's been really strongly on my heart for you guys. Multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. That you're going to see life grow up and spring up from desert places. And I just loved the worship this morning. I mentioned to the leaders yesterday that I feel like praise is a weapon in your hands. And we sang that, let praise be the weapon that silences the enemy. And then let it, with King Jesus, we praise and bring it down. And one of the people in our church had a word for you guys, and they said they felt like Jesus was asleep in the boat. And maybe there was a storm. But our praise, our worship of him, rouses him to silence the enemy. And um, I just feel like God's saying to you, do not grow weary of doing good. You're a church that's full of servant-hearted people, and it's a beautiful thing, but we can grow weary. I feel like God's saying, don't grow weary of doing good, because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. And why? God will not be mocked. You might think, I don't know. I'm carrying on and doing my thing, but God, are you, am I really going to reap? Oh, it's okay. I'll just carry on because I'm doing the right thing. No, God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And um, yeah, so I really feel like he's, he's, this is a season for you guys to be expectant for new life to spring up. And um, I just felt like I had a few words for individuals. Is that okay? Can I share that? And um, <laughs> yeah, Katie, I just feel I'm so inspired by you, girl. I'm so inspired by your extravagant worship of our King. And I was just reminded in worship today of that, the, I think it was one of the Marys who came and broke that jar of expensive fragrance and anointed Jesus before his death. And I feel like that's how you worship him. You don't hold back. There's nothing that's too expensive or too costly for him. You pour it out there and you don't care what the other people think. You are extravagant in your worship to your king. And that incense has gone up and it's a day and night thing. It's not just on a Sunday morning. It's every moment of every day. Incense is arising, is arising, and it's, it's caught his attention. And I believe, like this woman, I believe your story is going to be told wide and far. And Vanna and family, I don't know all of you haven't. Well, you, one of your daughters here today. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just felt like um, God was, I saw this picture of you guys with a spear and him fashioning, fashioning it into a multi-purpose weapon. I feel like he's called all of you, and this is not just for the parents. It's for all of your children. And can you please tell your brother and sister, sisters, because I believe this is for them too. He has called you guys, all of you, not one excluded, to be giant slayers in the kingdom. All of you. In your own special way, you don't have to shout loud to bring down the giant. Remember David, that little stone with what he knew and how, and it was this, he ain't going to defy the armies of the living God. There's that boldness in you guys because you know your God and you're not going to let the enemy win. And I really believe this is a time and a season of diversification. It's like you're already strong and you already know, you already have your weapon, but God is saying, wait, there's more. I have more people for you to reach. I have more lands for you to go to, and I want to make your weapon into a multi-purpose weapon to bring down different enemies in different terrains. It's too small a thing to be called to one nation. The apostolic call on you guys is true and real. And I feel like this time, although it might feel like it's a a slowing of sorts, I feel like God's saying, I feel like don't wish it over. Take your time, because actually it is so key. It's almost like the longer you stay here, the further you're going to go, the wider is going to be your reach. I hope that makes sense and encourages you guys. Um, And then Gary Chapman. Where's Gary Chapman? (laughs) God gave me a new Gary name today (laughs) for you. And um, I just... I believe he wants to add something to what I shared with you yesterday. And it's almost like as you put that hat of, of love, revelation of love on, I be, believe he's adding a hat of in the prophetic and especially in terms of words of knowledge. And I w- I, it was another Gary, I don't know if you know a Gary Morgan in Australia or something, who really has this gift of operating in words of knowledge. And I feel like God's saying, as you establish and as you continue in that quest for revelation of the Father's love, he's going to surprise you and amaze you. And he's going to use your words, words of knowledge, to break into hearts as weapons all around you. Um, is this okay? I think there's only one or two more. Am I taking too long? Alan <laughs> and Jen, are they here? Yes, they're there. 
Um, I just felt like, and I, I, I know that you lead worship and you had your guitar yesterday, but I feel like God is saying it's time to step out the shadows. And I feel like I, you do bring your gift, but I just feel like there's so much more in you guys. And that maybe, and I could be wrong, but maybe you're holding back in some areas. And I just feel like God's saying it's time to step out to step forward and um, to bring all of that which he has placed in you, that there's so much more. Don't hold back. Alan, don't hold back. <laughs> and Jen, I just felt like God say, you are a faithful friend. You have been faithful when others haven't. You have continued to be a faithful friend, and you're a woman of trust. That you're a woman who can be trusted, and he's seen that, and he's seen that, and he is going to entrust you with more treasures for his kingdom. And Amy, I sense, I really sense there's a newness over you, and I, I, I just want to encourage you to take up the prophetic that has been spoken of you and to wage war with it because it's not over. It ain't finished yet. There is a lot of road and wonderful adventures for you still to take hold of. So I just want to encourage us. I really sense a newness, even a new birth. Take up that prophetic and wage war with it. And then last one, last, last one, um, not George and Rachel, Ray. Vargas. Vargas. <laughs> I, was, I was reminded of the book, I don't, I'm sure you guys know Roald Dahl, right, everyone knows Roald Dahl, the author, maybe, no, yes, no, okay, it's okay, he, he writes a book called I Wish I Had Duck Feet. And it's one of my favorite Roald Dahl books because he, this, it, um, it uh, tells the story of a little boy who wishes he had duck feet so that he could go through water quicker. And then he wishes he had an elephant trunk to get things from on high. And then he wishes he had some other fancy appendage to be able to do this. And then finally he realizes, actually, I'm quite good the way I am. And I, I, I sense God's encouragement for you this morning is that don't look at other people. Don't look at James and say, oh, I wish I could, I could say that like he does. Or I wish I could pray like that person does. Or I wish I could prophesy like that person does. God has made you exactly the way you need to be for what he has called you to be. Do not look down on what you have, it's the very treasure that he wants to display for his glory. Okay. Thank you. Fantastic. That was the good half. <laughs> um, you know, it's wonderful. The, the prophetic is here to bring encouragement, comfort, and edification to build us up and it's really wonderful I've learned to recognize the prophetic gift in Vanessa and uh, 
And so I, I hope, even if you did not get a word this morning, it, it does encourage us, it does build us up. God knows us by name. And so, yeah, that's wonderful. So it's really great to be here. Thank you so much for having us, James and Lisa. And uh, it's a privilege to be in your pulpit. You are an outstanding preacher. And over the years, some of the messages that James has preached from 2012 have remained in my heart. And so it really is a great privilege to be in your pulpit. Thank you for your friendship. We, we are friends with you. You are friends of us. I confirm. And, uh, and I just want to also thank you, Christchurch, for the role you play, not only in the UK, but from here. You really are a base church to the nations. And I think that's what God has spoken over you. And I think the best is yet to come. And I think there's still way more that God has for you in this church. I think he has spoken prophetically that you are to be a base, not just for the UK, but for the nations of the world. And truly you are that. Truly you are that. And, uh, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for coming out of the prayer meeting. Man, we prayed more about other nations than for this meeting. And I think it's awesome. It's, you have a heart for nations, and I want to encourage you with that. Uh, you have sowed people in the past. You've sowed finances. You've sowed prayers. And uh, don't hold back. Don't stop doing that, because I believe God is going to bring you more. And uh, so I want to speak this morning. My, the title of my message is, Jesus wants to step into your boat afresh. We know that for some of us, Jesus has stepped into our boat, and it's turned our life upside down, or the right way up. But I just felt Jesus wants to step into your boat afresh. And uh, what happens when Jesus steps into our boat? Suddenly, our world becomes small, and suddenly we begin to live for something way bigger than our little world. Who can testify to that? Can you relate to that? We sing a song in, in French. In fact, we've, we've translated a song. You know that song? How does it go again? You can have it all, Lord. All of... No. You can have it all, Lord. Every, every part of my life. But in French, we've translated it, you can have it all, Lord, all of my little world. And it puts things in perspective, actually, in light of the greatness of God, in light of the greatness of the kingdom of God, my world is very, very little. And yet, he chooses to step into our boat. He chooses to, to call us out. He chooses to say, you are my friends, and you are my co-laborers, and you are co-inheritors, no, co-heirs, sorry, I'm translating from French, co-heirs with me, and he includes us in this fantastic venture of advancing the kingdom. And suddenly we begin to live for something way bigger than ourselves. And so I don't know if you can relate to that, but sometimes I get caught up in my little world and my circumstances, and my problems, and my challenges, and my needs. Can anyone relate to that? Thank you. Thank you for being truthful. <laughs> and 
But in these times, we need Jesus to step into our boat afresh and give us a renewed sense of purpose, a, a bigger perspective. I want that for my life. Even this morning during worship, I, I was like, man, it's, it's wonderful. But I was like, Jesus, I, I want to live with a bigger perspective. My world is too small. And I want, I want to dream bigger. I want to believe you for more. I want to step out in faith, not in presumptuous, but I want to step out in faith as you call me. So this is what happened to Simon Peter, James, and John. Um, they got some great perspectives when Jesus stepped into their boat. And we're going to read that from Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And so let's just see what happens. On one occasion, Luke 5, 1 to 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing into him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. Now this is Jesus. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Now, I just want us to put ourselves in that circumstance for a minute. The first thing we see is that Jesus is the one who came to Simon Peter. Simon Peter didn't call him and say, Lord, I need you. Jesus just chose to step into Simon Peter's boat. And uh, as he has into our worlds. Now, they'd worked all night. They had caught nothing. They were probably a little worried, discouraged, nervous, thinking, what are we going to eat? Because we've caught nothing. So they might have been nervous for the short term. God, I don't know how we're going to survive this week. We've caught absolutely nothing, and there's no guarantee that tomorrow we'll catch anything. They might have been concerned for their future. What about our retirement, or what about in the next 10 years? God, if you don't start providing, I don't know. There might have been marital conflict, because Peter's wife might have been saying, come on, Peter, just can you do a better job? Because we need some fish. We don't know. But they had worked all night. And uh, sometimes we can relate to that, can't we? We work hard. We toil hard. And at the end of a month, there seems to be very little. And you can ask yourself, well, what's the point? And, and this is what, when Jesus came into their boat. And I believe Jesus wants to come into our boat afresh. And we'll see what happens. Well, you kind of know what happened. But, but I think Simon made a great decision to comply to Jesus' request. Now, remember that Simon is the fisherman. He is the expert. Jesus is not a fisherman. He's, he's way bigger than that. But at that time, Simon probably didn't know that. And... He, he, Jesus said, 
come on, let's go fishing again. Master, the fish don't eat during the day, they eat at night. Plus, we fished all night, we caught nothing. It just doesn't make sense. But because you say so, we will do it. Sometimes Jesus will call us to do something that doesn't make sense. But our human reasoning will say, no, that doesn't make sense. We've tried that. It doesn't work. Or, yeah. And, but Simon Peter made a great decision to comply to Jesus' request. So let's carry on. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they, they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished by the, at the catch of a fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now suddenly, there was this huge amount of fruitfulness that came. It's like, where did that come from? And we don't see Simon rejoicing, great, now we're okay for the next, not only week, but we're okay probably for the next three months, because we're going to sell this fish, and we don't even have to fish for the next three months. We don't see that. Suddenly, he forgets about his fruitfulness. He forgets about the provision, or he forgets about his own worries, and suddenly, as Jesus stepped into his boat, there's something of an awe and the wonder of God that fell upon him. Suddenly, he saw something way bigger than his provision. He saw something way bigger than his needs. He saw something way bigger than his world. Suddenly, the fear of God fell upon him. And he says, Lord, I am not worthy of you. Go away from me. Isn't it amazing when Jesus stepped into his boat that suddenly he had a different perspective? Sometimes we pray, God, if only you would provide this. And then God shows up and we forget about this. We're just amazed. God, she's just so amazing. Isn't that, a, isn't that right? And don't we need in our circumstances, don't we need in our needs to see God more than have our needs fulfilled. Suddenly we see God and suddenly our needs are, you know that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Suddenly they lose importance. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Now remember, Simon's at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy of you. I'm just, no, you're too big. You're too holy for me. Just, I'm not worthy of you. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So Jesus invited them to follow him. So he steps into his world, and they go from being fishermen to being disciples of Jesus to being nation changers. Isn't that amazing? 
And when Jesus steps into our boat, suddenly we go from being, whatever, a plumber, to being a disciple of Jesus, and maybe still plumbing, to being nation changers, and maybe still plumbing. Because God wants to enlarge our hearts, He wants to enlarge our world, He wants to think, us to think way bigger than ourselves. So, and I believe it's the same for you individually, I believe it's the same for me, and I believe it's, a, it's relevant for you as a church, that Jesus wants to step into your boat afresh, and he wants to take you onto something way bigger than yourselves, way bigger than you thought was possible. So I grew up in a little island called Mauritius, and an island of about one million people at the time, probably 1.2 million people now, and I was the third in my family. I was never extremely good at anything. One day my wonderful school friend said to me, we were walking, and he said, you know, everyone is good at something. So he mentioned a few examples, like, look at this, he's good at sports, look at this, he's good at academics. And he looked at me, he says, you know, I can't find a single thing you're good at. (laughs) He was a great friend. (laughs) And I, I agreed with him, I said, you're right, I'm just pretty much average at anything, I wasn't bad. But God specializes, and and that wasn't true, it was a lie. God has made us fearfully, wonderfully made, every one of us. But God takes us from where we are. He came to fetch me in my boat, and he says, I'm going to take you to one of the biggest cities in the world from a little island, this little average boy, and you're going to plant a church into one of the biggest cities, into one of the hardest places on earth, I believe, it's, I think it's as hard as anywhere else, but I don't think it's particularly hard. But, but that just, for me, does not make sense. I think he should have picked the greatest theologian and the greatest orator and the greatest and said, I'm going to use you. No, he picked a weak, insecure man sometimes, and he says, I'm going to use you to plant a church into a nation. And all we need to do is say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. And his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. See, friends, when Jesus steps into our boat, anything is possible. Anything is possible. We have nothing to boast of except Christ Jesus. Because without him, we would just all stop breathing right now. We have nothing to boast in except him. So, just a few quick things. What happens when Jesus steps into our boat? I think the first thing that happens is the fear of the Lord comes upon us. And who wants to live well? Wisely. Who wants to live, make good decisions? Sometimes we get tired of making bad decisions over and over and over again. And... And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to live well, you don't need to learn more. You need to know him more. 
and have the fear of the Lord come upon you, and that's the beginning of wisdom. There's no other starting point but the fear of God. And I think when Jesus steps into our boat, the fear of the Lord comes upon us. And it's not a fear of punishment, because we often think fear, we've got to hide away. No, no. It's a sense of awe and wonder of the greatness and the goodness of God. And that's what Simon Peter had. He had this, wow, you are so great and you are so good. I don't deserve you. Go away from me. The fear of the Lord came upon him. And when we taste the goodness of God, when we taste the greatness of God, we think, wow, Lord, I don't deserve you. And uh, it's a recognition of someone far superior, far wiser, far greater, far more powerful than you and I are. And it leads us to humility. And it leads us to wonder. It leads us to reverence. It is putting things in its place. He is God. I am man. He is the creator. I am the creation. He is the potter. And I'm the clay. And I believe God wants to bring something of a fear of God back into his church. And I... I think I can think of two examples in Scripture. The one is Isaiah. When Isaiah saw the Lord seated on the throne, he saw something of the glory of God, and he said, Woe is me, I am finished. Because he saw the greatness of God. You know, Jesus is described as the lion of a tribe of Judah. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion face to face. I had the privilege of spending some time in South Africa. I'm not South African. But when you see a lion face to face, it is incredible. I I didn't quite see them face to face. I saw them kind of from inside my vehicle over there. But I would imagine if I saw that thing face to face, I would fear and tremble saying, oh dear, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And I think Isaiah saw something of the glory of God. He saw the lion of a tribe of Judah. He saw the greatness of God. And he says, I am finished. I am finished. Woe is me. And yet he had the courage to put his hand and say, Lord, here I am. Um, send me. Serve me. Uh, not serve me. <laughs> send me. I'm here to serve you. But Jesus is also described as the lamb of God. Have you ever seen a lamb? Not very scary. (laughs) But he's also described as the Lamb of God. And Mary Magdalene had an encounter with the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mary Magdalene was a demon-possessed, adulterous um, woman, and she was forgiven She was loved. She was restored by the Lamb of God. She tasted the goodness of our God. And I believe we need both. We need to see the greatness. We need to see the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And we need to see the Lamb and the goodness of God. And taste His forgiveness. Taste His love. Taste His restoration power. And then suddenly... The fear of God comes upon us. Say, Lord, I am not worthy of you. 
but please use me. Are you with me? The second thing that comes when Jesus steps into our boat, suddenly we surrender our will for his will. We relinquish our rights or our preferences. Suddenly we see someone way greater than ourselves and we say, wow, Lord, my life is laid down to serve you. Whatever you say, I want to do. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't want to go to the cross. Father, please, if there's a way, please can we try another way. But not my will, your will. And you and I, friends, have got to get to the point where we say, Lord, not my will, but your will. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's not comfortable. But it's way bigger than ourselves. And it's always better. And when Vanessa and I got married, we went to a a teaching, a conference, a not a conference, it was a, a weekend at another church in Durban, and the theme was money. The theme was tithing. And wow, God really gripped our hearts. We were newly married. I think we were tithing already, but without quite understanding it. But God really gripped our hearts about this thing of generosity and not wanting money to grab a hold of our hearts. And at that time, we were... Just married, we had very little furniture in our home. We had a camping table as a dining room table. We had one couch. We had a TV, and that's about it. We didn't have curtains. Um, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was simple. Now we just have so much stuff. No, it's not true. But and shortly after that, we went. We were invited to another friend's house who got married more or less the same time as us. And we went to his new house that he bought, and he had all the latest furniture, all the latest trendy furniture from the great furniture store that we all wanted stuff from. He had beautiful curtains. His house was fully decked up. And to my shame, the whole evening, I calculated in my head how many months tithing we could withhold to get all that stuff. And I, I calculated, I said, it's just a few months, we'll just withhold, because God wants us to be happy, right? God wants us to be comfortable. So I thought, that's fine, we'll establish ourselves, and then we'll begin to give again. And I remember coming home that night, and just before going to bed, I felt something rise up in me. And I think it was the Spirit of God. He said, I've not called you to live for wood or brick, or metal. I've called you to live for something way bigger than that. And the next day I said to Vanessa, I said, you know, this is what was going on in my head. I was very jealous. And I said, what I think we should do is next month I think we should double our giving. Because I didn't want money to grab hold of my heart. And it's still a risk today to you and our friends. You know, tithing is not some kind of suggestion that if you have enough, then give. No, the Bible says it belongs to the Lord 
It is holy to the Lord. And I don't want to use what belongs to another, because that's called stealing. The other day, one of my sons sold something on vintage. It's like a second name. I don't know if you have vintage here. Probably comes from here. But, but he got defrauded. <laughs> you think that's funny? I didn't think that was funny. <laughs> but he got defrauded, and, and like he never got paid. I was like, I was so upset. I was like, I want, I want, let's track him down and let's go see him. I want to, this is not right. You don't defraud my son. And I was angry, much more than him, I think. He was like, Dad, it's fine, it happens. I was like, No, man, don't steal from my boy. How do you think the father feels when we hold back our tithe and we consume it and we eat and we steal from what belongs to his son? Wow. It's like suddenly, Lord, forgive us. And if there's adjustments necessary, may we make it. But friends, it doesn't belong to us. In fact, everything we have has been entrusted to us by the Lord. None of it is ours. But the tithe is sacred and holy to the Lord. I think if I... And and it is scary. I, I get it. Because we don't have enough, honestly. But somehow we always have enough. God has always been faithful. We planted a church with nothing. We had no job, nothing. We kept tithing. We kept giving. But, and we, sometimes I thought, God, you know we need this money. But it's not ours. And God has faithfully provided. I think when we honor his son, he can trust us with more. The Bible says that tithe comes into the local church, into the storehouse where you are fed. And I think when we bring our tithe to the storehouse, it's like we're taking care of his bride. And when we take care of his bride, don't you think he wants to give us more so we can take care of his bride more? But if we hold back and we don't take care of his bride, it's like, how can he give us more? Now, this is not prosperity stuff. It's just, friends, the fear of God has got to come back into our lives, in the area of our finances, in the area of our time, in the area of our relationships, in everything. But I'm just using this as an example because this is real. It, it's relevant for each one of us. And I believe when we take care of the bride of Christ, he will take care of us. There's a wonderful saying in, in France it's, that goes like this. It says, <laughs> no. Um, I'm trying to remember now. You're distracting me. On ne peut pas vivre d'amour et d'eau fraîche. We cannot live on lo- love and fresh water. We would like to. Honestly, I wish we didn't need money for the advancing of a kingdom. 
I wish pastors didn't have to get paid because we would do this anyway. Seriously. But friends, we cannot live on love and fresh air alone. And it's God's pattern that is provided to us in Scripture. You bring your tithe to the storehouse so that there's enough food for the priests to be able to operate and for advancement of his kingdom. You know, when we hold back our tithe, we're actually holding back the advancing of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm sorry, you don't know me. We don't have a big trust relationship, so you might think, who are you to say all these things? But friends... This is, these are not my words. This is the scripture. And I want you to go and search the scripture and say, God, show me if this is right or not. And if it is, then I think we have to submit ourselves to the scriptures, submit ourselves to the will of God. See, God wants to step into our boats afresh. He wants to take us to live for something way bigger than ourselves. But if we're holding on to our little lives... He wants us to let go. Trust him. The fear of God, we taste the goodness, the grace, the goodness, the greatness of God. We surrender our will. And as we do that, he takes us to much greater things. Imagine if Peter said, no, Lord, you called me to follow you, but actually I've got a great little business here, and I've got to feed my family through it. I'm sorry, I can't. And we would reason with that, Right? would say that makes sense but friends it doesn't make sense because Jesus is taking him to something way bigger imagine when he stood up after Pentecost and he preached and 3,000 people got, came to the Lord imagine him thinking gee I'm so glad I left my fishing business <laughs> right and it's the same for you and I God wants to step into our boat individually God wants to step into our boat as a church afresh And we have to say, Lord, I want to surrender to you. Somebody said this. Submit your whole mind to the scripture. Don't think you know better than God's word. Bring it to bear on every area of life. Become a person under authority. When Isaiah prophesied one little verse, probably half a verse, Isaiah 34, 16. He says, find the book and read it. I love it. Find the book and read it. When King Josiah found the book, he sent people into the temple to get provision to pay for the repairs. They found the Bible, they found the book, and it was read out, and Josiah then just, King Josiah just stripped and, well, <laughs> tore his clothes. <laughs> and, and, and bowed down. They called the whole nation of Israel, then they read the book, and the whole nation of Israel bowed down and worshipped the Lord. Friends, we've got to submit ourselves to the Scriptures. We've got to submit ourselves to the will of God. And then last point, short, short little point. When Jesus steps into our boat, the fear of God comes upon us. We surrender our will for his will. And thirdly, it leads us to a productive life. 
It leads us to a productive life. You know, God wants to use you and I. Every single one of us. We become part of his body. We become priests unto him, to minister to him, to minister to each other. God wants to use each and every one of us. doesn't matter what your education is, what your background is, how good or bad you are, how average you are. God wants to use you, and he wants to embark you into a wonderful adventure of following him. And Peter and John and James left the boat. They followed Jesus, and they went into a productive life. They produced fruit, and God wants to do that for you and I. And one of the things that stopped us, or many things stop us from stepping out, is fear. We fear losing control. We fear we're not going to have enough. We fear that we're not going to be good enough. We're going to get criticized. Some feel inadequate. Moses felt completely inadequate. He says, God, I can't even speak. Don't send me. I'm, I'm not good. I'm not a good orator. Just don't send me. I can't even speak. Which wasn't true because he was schooled in all that stuff. And what did God say? Yeah, you're right. I must have made a mistake. No, God sent him anyway. So you might feel inadequate and say, Lord, I, I can't do this. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough talents. You know what God would say? Go anyway, because I am with you. So we've got to get over ourselves. Got to get over our little small life and say, Lord, step into my boat afresh. They left everything and followed him. I want to ask you, are you willing to leave everything and follow Jesus. Whatever that would look like, however is going to lead you. Lord, not my will, but your will. So maybe we can just pray in closing. I hope that's helpful. It's, I hope the Lord has stirred you to live for something bigger than yourself. I want to just ask you if you want to respond to Jesus this morning. For whatever reason, we're not going to ask you. Maybe you want to say, Lord, I want to follow you. Whatever the cost. Maybe there's some adjustments necessary. Maybe there's a, an area of repentance that is necessary. Maybe you need 
an encounter with the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Or maybe you need an encounter with the greatness of God, the Lion of a tribe of Judah. And you think, Lord, my life has become too big in my eyes. I need some fresh perspective. Or maybe you just want to say, Lord, I want to surrender my will to you again and again and again. So I don't want to put anything on you, but I want to say, if you want to respond to Jesus this morning, I want to ask you to stand. Lord Jesus, you came into Simon Peter's boat and his life was just completely turned around like that tornado that took him up that gave him special powers. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray for each individual standing I pray that you would step into our boats afresh. I pray that we would have more revelation of who you are. There would be something of a fear of God that would fall upon us. We would have a sense of the greatness and the goodness of our God all over again. By your Holy Spirit, would you come down and fill us afresh. Lord, if there's repentance adjustments necessary, I pray that you would give us courage, that it would not be emotions, but it would be a Holy Spirit convictions. It would say, Lord, I want to make right with you. Lord, we want to surrender our will to your will. And I pray that you would take everyone here to live a life bigger than themselves. And you would step into the boat of this church, Lord. There would be just so much happening that they would think, wow. But it would cause us to fall on our knees and say, Lord, you are worthy. You are holy. We bow down to you. So I pray, Father, for a greater catch of fish, supernatural catch of fish, Father. I pray that you would bring the fish in as we go about fishing. Lord, I pray for a new season of supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. I pray for greater power that your word would be preached in. Would you come and step into our boat afresh? I pray for provision, Lord, that we would just be amazed and think, wow, no man could have done this. This is the Lord, and we boast in him. 
I pray for an abundance of salvations, abundance of leaders. Come and have your way, Father. Would you step into our boat afresh and lead us to a productive life as we follow you. I pray your blessing upon this church. I pray your blessing upon every single person here. May we grow from strength to strength in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Fred. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks for the boys to come as well. Uh, Please join us for tea and coffee next time.